Hello, and welcome to Leading the Way. This is Kevin Robinson Jr., and I'll be your host in this podcast series where we discuss leadership and culture building with leaders in our Mount St. Mary's University athletics community. Home to over 450 Division I student-athletes and 22 Division I athletic programs, the Mount strives to develop ethical leaders who lead lives of significance. Hello, and welcome back to Leading the Way. Very excited for today's guest. We have in the studio with us today our head women's rugby coach, Farah Douglas. Farah, great to have you uh, with us and talking with us today. Really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, no problem. And as most of you guys know, uh, women's rugby is one of our new sports uh, to our varsity NCAA varsity programs at the Mount. And Farrah came on board uh, three years ago. Um, the program is in its second year of competing at the NCAA uh, level, having won the NERA uh, Tier 2 championship last year. Uh, so getting things off to a great start. Farrah, talk to us a little bit about how you got to the Mount. So that's a really interesting story. Um, I have been involved in rugby, playing and coaching for the last 25 years. Um, my time with the national team brought me to the D.C. area, and I spent about seven years coaching at Gonzaga College High School in D.C., which is where I found my first connection to the Mount through the men's program with Coach Miles. Um, so he has been a very, very strong advocate for women's rugby because he has three daughters. Two of them are currently playing. Um, and his oldest was actually my first assistant coach here at the Mount. And he had contacted me to see if I would be interested in coaching at the college level with women. And of course I jumped at the opportunity and flash forward two years from that conversation, I got a phone call to see if I would be interested in applying for the position here at the Mount. And that sort of was the door. I met with the current athletic director, Lynn Robinson, came to campus, had a lot of interviews with a lot of people in athletics and a lot of meetings with the team at that time. And that sort of began my journey here. Nice. And, you know, transitions can be difficult at times. And we were at the, at the, at that point when you got on board, the women's club team had been very successful um, at at the club level. But we were moving into the NCAA NCAA level. How how was that transition? You know, how did you kind of work through some of those difficulties moving from the club program to the uh, the NCAA program? The first year for us was extremely difficult. There are a bunch of different factors that kind of contributed to that. First one was that just transitioning from being a club athlete to the requirements of being a division one NCAA athlete where things stop being your choice. Things are mandatory. Your grades are being monitored in a way that they weren't before you went from maybe two to three practices a week to 20 hours of mandatory time, whether that was a lift or conditioning or skills meetings on a regular basis with Justine Miller and athletics around academic success. And I think the team itself at that time had a lot of anxiety around that change. Um, as you know, with club sports is a lot more student directed mandates, I guess. So transitioning to NCAA meant that some of their control was essentially being taken away from them. And there was 
a lot of anxiety around that. I came in as a different coach, um, different background, and it took them a bit of time to adjust to the transition from the former coach to myself. And I am, I coach very much like I was as an athlete, which is fairly intense. Um, and I, my coaching background coming to the Mount was high performance. Um, I had two years coaching the high school all American girls here in the U S and was an assistant coach in 2014 for the women's national team at their world cup. And Gonzaga high school arguably is probably one of the best boys high school programs in the country. So transitioning the girls that first year, I think I had a lot of learning lessons around sort of walking them through things. I sort of threw them in the pot. And then in terms of competition, because we came into things a little bit late, we had to play up into tier one at the time. And in terms of wins and losses, it was a really difficult season for us. I think we played Harvard and lost like 103 to nothing. Um, so you flash forward to now and it's been such a journey in terms of the girls transitioning from those who are, were the club players to the recruited athletes to where they are now in terms of what they are able, able to do on the field. It's, it's been quite a journey with a lot of learning curves. No, absolutely. And and like we talked about, as you go through those transition phases, you're going to have those learning curves. How did you prepare the women for those, for those kind of learning opportunities? Like what were some of the leadership development you did to help them um, understand what it took to compete at the NCAA uh, level? That first year I took the executive members from the club team and folded them into our leadership positions for the varsity team. So that year we did not have a captain per se. Instead, we had leadership and their roles were to help with technical, tactical and technical decision-making by helping their teammates, but also kind of dialoguing with me and creating some collaboration around what we were trying to do on field so that there was always a conversation happening. And I wanted them to feel like the journey into the NCAA was still very much theirs. And so that they would have an active conversation going on with me at all times. Um, Lessons I learned around that were because someone exhibits the characteristics of leader of a good leader does not necessarily mean they know how to lead. And I think the big lesson I learned that first year is when you empower athletes and young women with leadership roles, you often have to teach them how to lead as well. And I did not do a very good job of that the first year. So that was the big learning lesson. I think we had as a program is that leaders need to be educated on how best to lead. No, and you're absolutely correct on that. We're going to take a quick break uh, to hear from our sponsors. But when we come back, we're going to elaborate on that point. Beginning as a family-owned Chevrolet dealership in 1972, Criswell Auto Group has blossomed into Maryland's largest group of independent, family-owned dealerships outside of the Washington, D.C. area. Today, Criswell Auto are proud to be family-owned and operated business that has expanded to three locations, Gaithersburg, Germantown, and Thurmont, Maryland. For nearly four decades, Criswell Auto is proud to have served many generations of families that continue to shop at their dealerships for quality vehicles at affordable prices. 
We're back, and we're with head women's rugby coach Farah Douglas. Farah, when we last uh, when we got done speaking earlier, you were talking about that you need to educate your women on how to be leaders, and you kind of learned the hard way in that first year. What were some of the adjustments that you made in uh, helping to make that leadership development a little bit easier as you moved forward? I think one of the first things I did coming into that following year was getting feedback from the team around one, what areas they felt like were important to have representation and leadership and also for them to have a say in how they felt leadership was speaking for them and to give them the ability to recommend teammates to step into those roles. And I think in doing so it empowered the team itself to feel like they were controlling the direction of our team culture and that it wasn't sort of top down, that it was coming from sort of the core of the team. And so it gave them a lot more ownership. And for me, it was having more regular conversations with leadership, checking in with them and kind of gauging what did they need, what was going on with the team, just having a lot more open dialogue And the lesson I learned from that is I asked them to do a little too much. So (laughs) we had another growing curve to go with leadership because one of the realizations I had coming into coaching here is not only was I asking the athletes to learn how to grow as we built a program that at that same moment they were doing those things. So as a coach, so was I. Right. And it's, it is difficult, but that self-awareness that you have is huge to kind of say, okay, this works, this doesn't work. I went a little bit too far here. We need to kind of rein it in. Um, and I think one of the key things with that is establishing those core values. And so what, what core values have you established for the women's rugby program? Is that something that you established or is that something you established through leadership? I think initially it was something that I introduced to them and then sort of put it in their hands to let them sort of mold it the way they felt it was going to fit them. So over time, I think the core values that we have stuck to as a program and as individuals is around respecting one another, dignity, and this idea of creating a legacy that we want to have a legacy that builds off of the foundation of what existed before at the Mount, So the women who played club rugby that afforded us the opportunity for what we have now and playing for each other, but also leaving the team better for the girls that are kind of come in and the classes behind the classes that are currently here. And in that is this idea of family being a, a sisterhood within the team, but also being a part of the family that is the Mount. That's uh, huge. And being able to stand on the shoulders of the people that came before them. And that's that legacy piece is huge. How do you feel your culture has developed uh, over these uh, over these three years? Are you comfortable with where it is or do you feel like you've got to continue to make uh, tweaks and changes to to your culture uh, of the program? I think over the next two years, you'll see a lot of tweaks and adjustments. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the youth of our team. Um, we're only going to see six girls leave 
So our team is predominantly comprised of sophomore and freshman athletes right now. And we have a pretty solid incoming recruit class. So one of the things that I've had to be really conscious of is they're still developing intellectually, emotionally, physically. And so we have a really young team that are learning to adult, (laughs) learning to be independent and make positive choices. And at the same time, they're doing all of those things. We're asking them to be academically successful and then perform on field. So there are a lot of things that are pulling at them. And so I think as I learn what each group needs more or less of. Our culture will adjust. But I think our core tenets around dignity, respect, um, legacy, and family will stay. And it's really about what does it look like for us to actually live those values as a team? And how do we want to be seen within the Mount community and outside of the Mount? Uh, that's, that's awesome. Talk to us a little bit more about recruiting. You know, you, you referenced the club level where a lot of times it's who arrives on campus, you know, and who's interested in maybe playing rugby for the club team. They kind of come and go. Whereas now as a varsity program, you're actively recruiting young women to come to Mount St. Mary's. How's that adjustment been? And what are some of the things that you're looking for in those young women um, that you bring to Mount St. Mary's? What are some of those key characteristics? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, (laughs) You know, recruiting, I think for me initially was really all about like talent ID, trying to find the X factor, the best of the best. And that in part comes from my background as a high performance coach. I think when I look at my approach to recruiting for the Mount, of course, you want the best of the best and you want X factor because those are the things that may make the difference for a team that looks exactly like you. But for me, it's often about the intangibles that looking at a highlight video or going to a game are not the most obvious things to see. So character is a really big thing for me. How does the athlete treat the parents? How do they interact with their teammates? What are they doing at the end of the game? Are they on their phone? Are they helping pick up equipment? How do they talk to their teammates? How do they respect officials? I think that that for me is a really, really, really important piece of my recruiting and the way I get around that because I am limited. My ability to travel everywhere um, is having a lot of conversations with my recruits, um, trying to reach out to people that are in their community and their rugby community, whether it's their coach, other coaches, kind of getting a sense of what it's like talking to teammates or people who may have known them um, to just get a sense of their, their person. How do you balance the talent versus the character? You know, and I think you're doing a great job of it um, in terms of what you're talking about, talking with the the young women, the prospective student athletes, and really trying to get a gauge on who they truly are. But, you know, I think one of the toughest things in coaching is finding that balance between talent and character because you need need high-performing athletes to be successful, but you also want to make sure that they're not going to be – a cancer to the team or do anything off the field that's going to reflect uh, poorly on, on the program. So how do you, how do you find that balance of talent and character? I think my approach to that is, so the Mount hired me as a coach because of the skill set I bring and my background. And if I'm doing my job, 
specifically just around athletics, then I should be able to take an athlete and develop their skills and their game understanding. And so for me, I can't develop character. I would rather spend hours working on someone's skill set than trying to teach someone to be a, a good person because that's a little bit more difficult. And it's not that I'm not trying to, because I do do that with the girls. That's why we have culture and we're getting walk-ons every semester because there are a lot of positive things that are happening within the team. But I would rather take a athlete with good character who's coachable, that wants a good education and wants to compete and challenge himself to be better and make mistakes doing that on field than to take the best high school athlete who potentially could create difficulty on field because they don't know how to be a good teammate. Uh, I think just hit the core of coaching. That was, that was huge. Fair. That was awesome. We're going to take a break uh, real quick. To, uh, once again, hear from our sponsors and then we'll be back with coach Douglas here in a minute. Enjoyed by millions since 1894. Hershey's ice cream is focused on producing innovative, high quality products and providing industry leading service. Guided by their family values of integrity, honesty, and respect, this Mount family-owned enterprise strives to provide real ingredients, real ice cream, and real smiles. And we're back with Leading the Way, and we have head women's rugby coach Farrah Douglas with us. Fair, we've been talking a lot about culture building, about leadership. One thing we haven't really talked, touched on, I think probably our listeners want to hear about, What's rugby truly about? Like, how's it played? Like, you know, there's a there's a familiarity um, at Mount St. Mary's with rugby, but I think for some of our casual listeners, they don't really know what the sport really entails. So, can we dive into what rugby truly is? Ooh, <laughs> trying to explain rugby. Oh my! Um, you got a I, ball, you pass it, you kick it. You know, yeah. you know, you can't move, can't move it forward. You know, so yeah. I I think if to like, I suppose the like the lay person, I would say rugby is a bit of a combination of American football and soccer. Um, so football, you have a touchdown, but in football to score the touchdown, you just cross the plane and rugby. When we cross the goal line, we touch it down with control to score the point. So there are, there are a few things that are similar. Um, rugby is a sport about space Similar to soccer, you're looking to manipulate defenders to get attacking members into space to put the ball into a goal so a goal area. Um, I think some of the most unique things about rugby is it is a full contact sport for both men and women, and there are no different rules. So men and women play the exact same game with the same size ball, um, and that is amazing. Um, I think it's one of the most unique things about rugby Um, in terms of the difference around contact. You have to wrap and it has to be um, below the shoulders, ideally below armpit. Um, So you can't really like body check. You can't shove per se, like the contact area is a bit more controlled. So I would almost describe rugby as a contact sport where football to me would be more collision based. Gotcha. Well, and I think one of the other unique things about rugby is it's free flowing. Like, and I think there's not a lot of stoppages in play. Uh, yeah, very uh, much continuity based. Right. And so I think you, you getting back to your leadership and 
how you uh, how connected you are with the the women on the field, they got to make a lot of decisions on their own. And so coaching them up and making sure that they have that knowledge base of understanding shapes and patterns and the different plays, they, they got to do a lot of that on their own because you, because it, it, it's so free flowing. Is that is that truly the case? I mean, this is someone who's a you know fan of rugby, but may not understand it direct, directly. Yes, um, that is actually one of the difficulties I think incoming athletes have with our program is they get dropped right into a very heavily decision based um, attacking system. So you know we're asking them to step inside a very dynamic, high move, high power moving environment and be able to identify a bunch of different cues that are happening and then sort of assess that and make a decision in a very, very short amount of time. So we tend to play from a system where whatever action I have potentially can create multiple options so that we have the ability to understand and read the defense a bit, a bit more with some ease. Um, and we play a lot of games at practice. I coach. So for us, we, so we have structure and we want to use that to sort of open up the game. And then I want the girls to be creative and play what's in front of them. So as much as I would like to say, we don't play pattern and script. I think that it's hard to coach a team game with the op- with the goal being like score points against opposition where you're not giving them some directive, but we set it up in such a way that if they're understanding things and making decisions together, then the ability for them to be creative as a collective on the field is there. And generally speaking, when I tell the girls, you will make the wrong decision. You have to make the wrong decision to understand what the right decisions are. And if I ask you why you did something, if you can, tell me why I don't care if it's not the right decision. The fact that you're thinking about it and you made a choice means that you're working on your decision-making skills. And as a coach, that's a, that's all I can ask that they can do. And that's some high level coaching right there, Farrah. I mean, that's, that's a great responsibility to put into uh, the young women's hands. So, you know, as we, as we look ahead for the mountain women's rugby program, what, what are some of the things that we should be excited about in the, in the spring and then going into the fall next year? Um, I think this spring we're looking to see some really dynamic, fast moving sevens. Um, oh, uh, real quick. Let's make it for our lay people out there. Fifteens and sevens. Like what's uh, what's the difference? What do we we got? There? Okay, Fif- so fifteens are playing in the fall. Sevens are playing in the spring. Yeah. Fifteens in the fall. Sevens in the spring. Similar to indoor and outdoor track. Like they are the same, but they are different. Same size field. So hundred meters from goal line to goal line about 65 to 75 meters wide from touchline to touchline in 15s. It's 15 versus 15, two 40 minute halves and sevens. It is the same size field with seven versus seven and they're seven minute halves. They are the longest seven minutes that you have ever experienced. It it's is, very high paced. It is flat out running for seven straight minutes and then getting, trying to yes. avoid getting hit while you're doing it. Um, and it's a, it's an exciting sport. So you can play um, multiple games in a day and it is the version of rugby that is currently showcased in the summer Olympics. Okay. No, sorry to sidetrack you there. So what should we excited for, for sevens in the spring and then 15s in the fall? Um, well, sevens is going to be an opportunity for 
quite a few of our players to really showcase their talent. We have a pretty significant core group of girls whose experience coming into the Mount is set as a sevens background. Um, we have four athletes from Guam, one from Indonesia. They all play um, their primary form of the game that they play is sevens. Um, and one of our Guam players is actually the youngest member of the Guam national team. Oh wow! So I'm really looking forward to seeing her open up the game. She was a force to be contended with on the field in 15s, but I think they are definitely not going to see her coming this spring for sevens. And we are looking to make a bid to qualify for nationals for sevens. So I'm really excited about that. And I think looking forward to the fall um, will be, two teams, which is huge for us. Um, and we are going divisional next year. So tier one and tier two are going away. It's going to be division one teams against division one teams. So the strength of competition for us, again, is going to go up. Um, but I think that we are going to be competitive and we'll, we'll look to advance to semis and finish top four in our first year as competing fully D1. What are some of the top division one programs that we have to be concerned about? Uh, Quinnipiac, I know is traditionally one of them. Who else? Um, Harvard, you know, who else should be? Harvard and Dartmouth right now have consistently been sitting on top. Um, Army is a very, very, very strong contender. You've got Quinnipiac coming up after that. Um, You're looking at Brown, Sacred Heart will be moving up along with us. Um, and LIU, LA, well, they were LIU Post, but now they're LIU Brooklyn. They yeah, combined, the, yes. they combined, yeah. so they're D one. So that will will be sort of the contenders in Division One. Okay, well, Fair, I can't tell you how great this has been having you kind of educate us on uh, women's rugby at Mount St. Mary's. It's it's awesome. Before we before we end our conversation, what's your favorite memory from your rugby playing days? Like you, you played on national teams, you've coached national teams, you you were an unbelievable player in college. What, what what's your lasting memory of of playing the game of rugby uh, from that player standpoint? Oh man, I've played for a long time. <laughs> There are a lot of different memories, but I think probably the most significant memory for me is probably 2007 when I put my first U.S. jersey on. Um, The tour itself, we call it the plague tour, and most of us don't like to talk about it. Like, I think some version of a coronavirus was going on during the team. So every day we show up to practice and somebody would have to leave because they would be getting sick. Oh, wow. And it was in England in the winter time. So it was like wet and cold and just utterly miserable. But when that roster came out with the first 23 and the starting 15, and I got my number one jersey and shook Kathy Flores' hand, who is an NCAA coach now at Brown, it was probably my most memorable moment. And it's crazy to think how full circle rugby's come now that we're coaching against each other as NCAA coaches and to imagine being paid full time to play and, you know, to not play well, to be a part of a sport that's been so fundamental in my life is just, Pretty awesome. Well, it's exciting to see how far women's rugby has come too, you know, and just how it keeps evolving over the years. Like thanks to you and, and Kathy and some of the other, uh, you know, women out there that have really pumped the program and, or pumped the sport up and got, got these programs coming in, in NCAA. And it's, it's awesome to watch. It's an exciting time for women's rugby. 
That's awesome. Well, Farrah, again, I can't thank you enough for joining us. You've been awesome today and uh, really appreciate the insights into the program, into coaching, and into leadership. So thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys for joining us today on Leading the Way and look forward to having you back for the next episode.